Holy God, fill our minds with wisdom, our mouths with your truth, and our hearts with your love. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everybody. And I know you're all thinking that Christmas is over, right? And we're still celebrating. We're wearing all our finest stuff, and we've got the altar decorated, the flowers, everything's still up. But you know what? The stores, the day after Christmas, everything went on sale for 75 to 80% off, and you could get a bargain for next year. And then they put up Valentine's Day already. So... And we're still waiting for the wise men to come, which is the Feast of the Epiphany, which happens actually tomorrow. And the wise men come, and that's when Christ is physically made manifest to the Gentiles. That's when he's made known to us, and it's the start of our Epiphany season. That's our awareness that God is with us. God is with each and every one of us. That's the things that dreams are made of that God is with each one of us and that he promises to be with us. Do you, does anybody daydream or at night dream? You know, they say researchers believe that everybody dreams. And I've got people that tell me, Jim, I don't dream. But then the researchers also say that you forget about 95% of your dream. So I'm thinking those people that say they don't dream just forget 100% of their dreams. I don't know. They also believe that you dream for at least two hours every night. It's when you're in rapid eye movement and there's all kinds of, of, of tests that they've done. You know, animals even dream, dogs dream. You know, those of us that have had a pet, we know. They're over there and all of a sudden, <laughs> they're making the noises and doing all this stuff. And you look over, the dog is sound asleep, right? Sound asleep. And actually, the researchers also claim that um, during a typical lifetime, you will dream an average of six years. That's a lot of dreaming. That's a lot of dreams. Now, hold that thought for a minute. Last Sunday, we heard about the word made flesh, that love came down from heaven. Jesus came down. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever, whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. So now the wise men are coming to visit the baby Jesus. And we learn that Joseph, in the gospel we just heard, has three dreams. Think about that a minute. He has three. And that's after the wise men have already left. And really, I don't think we can call them dreams. These have to be nightmares. Joseph had nightmares, right? King Herod is so worried about what might happen if the baby Jesus is allowed to live and grow up that all the children under the age of two are killed. Imagine that. How horrific. And we don't know how many children were killed during that time, but we do know about the one that was not, the one that got away. Thank God for Joseph. You know, and it's interesting, we don't, we don't get a lot of information about Joseph in the Gospels. You know, he, he's known as the protector of both Mother Mary and baby Jesus. And, you know, we heard about um, when, when his fiancée got pregnant and it wasn't his child and he was getting ready to, to silently put her aside, you know, just kind of back away. And, and you know, technically he could have had her stoned to death. Um, but he has a dream. And in that dream, his mind is changed. And here in the lesson for today, the angel of the Lord comes again to Joseph 
and in a dream, he says, the angel of the Lord gives him instructions as far as what he's supposed to do. Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So they become refugees in a strange land, and they make their home in a strange land. You know, and, and really, you know, when, when the protectorship is kind of over, we don't hear any more about, about Joseph. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' father is not even mentioned. Joseph is not mentioned. And, and you know, in a way I can relate to him, um, and I think we can all really feel for him, um, he answered God's call. You know, he, he became the protector of the baby Jesus, and the, he was the protector of the mother of God. And I think it's really fair to say that Joseph saved Jesus' life. If they'd not fled to Egypt, Jesus might have been slain with the other innocents. And Joseph was so desperate to protect his child based upon his dream that he risked fleeing to another country. And in a real sense, they become holy refugees. And you can imagine, imagine how crazy it must have been. You know, this... The baby Jesus has just received all these elaborate gifts from very glamorous visitors. And the meaning of his birth, the potential of his life, it seemed so sunny and shiny that moment, so significant. It was filled with, with faith and everyone celebrating. And then now, here's this nightmare. This nightmare takes place. So Joseph had to go from being very elated that Mary had finally given birth to all of a sudden being completely terrified. Just in the passing of one night and one dream, dreaming one dream. I would be freaking out. I mean, think about this a minute. Who wouldn't be freaking out? Imagine, you know, at least when I have a nightmare, I wake up and it's done, right? Joseph has this nightmare. He wakes up and it's still going on. He has to get out of there. He has to escape. And imagine there's a whole lot of activity going on. They're picking up all their belongings, especially the presents from the wise men. They're packing everything up. Mary's exhausted, tired. The baby Jesus is fussy and wailing, and, and they're trying to get, they're marching down the main road to Egypt, and Joseph might be constantly looking over his shoulder for danger for the soldiers. Think about that. And then upon arriving at the place where they actually we're seeking refuge. They hear about the horrific thing that Herod has done and the spilling of the blood of all the innocents. And then Joseph has another dream. And this one might even be viewed as one that is with a little bit of relief. King Herod is finally dead. The threat, the person that threatened them is dead and the family can now go home. Imagine that. They're in a strange land, eating strange food, speaking a strange language, and now they can maybe go home. They can go home to a place that is possibly familiar, where the customs are familiar. But no sooner do they get home than the nightmare returns. And this, even, Joseph didn't hear about this in a dream. What happens? Herod dies, and his son takes his place, and his son is even crueler than Herod was. So Joseph says, I'm not going back there. And then that gets confirmed in this other dream that he has. 
Naturally, Joseph would be afraid to go there, so he does it. So he takes the family far away from there. He goes north to Galilee. So much for being around familiarity and, and, and everyone in a place where everyone knows your name. And actually, and according to the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus actually starts his life out as a, as a refugee. But let's focus a moment on, on this character of Joseph and the fact that he answered God's call for him, even when it may have been the most difficult thing he ever did in his life, he answered God's call. And God was with him through it all, was with him through everything. I think Joseph sets a good example for all of us. God was with him, and God is with us. But notice this reoccurring phrase also, so was fulfilled what was said by the prophets. The scriptures are being fulfilled. He will come out of Egypt and be called a Nazarene. Never mind that the scholars can't quite find the reference. The author saw it all within God's plan. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 12, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We are called to answer God's call for us. About 100 years ago, there was a lawyer named Max Ingram, and he was from Terre Haute, Indiana. And I know a lot of you won't know where Terre Haute, Indiana is, but that's where Larry Bird came from. In Indiana, the Hoosiers, that's what they're known as, that's what, where I'm from, Terre Haute is known as the armpit of Indiana, because it's, it's up on the west side. But he wrote a creed for life entitled Desiderata, and part of it goes like this. He says, go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly. Listen to others, even to the dull and the ignorant. They, too, have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourselves to other, others, you may become vain and bitter, for there will always be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle to yourself. You are a child of the universe. No less than the trees and the stars, you have a right to be here. And whether or not it's clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. So the question that I have for us is, do we have the kind of faith that Joseph had to face this next year, to answer God's call for us? And all our running and moving, we need the assurance that we are running with God, that we are running with Jesus. Jesus is present in every trouble that we have. He's a guide through every detour, and he will carry us through. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will go. Amen.